Hello, welcome to the Alone Show. I'm your host, John Milone. In this episode, I brought on regular Eric Taylor. As for our guest, he's from Spring, Texas. He's an author, blogger, accessibility advisor, singer, songwriter, digital media publicist, and host of What's Your Excuse? Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Maxwell Ivy. Well, thank you. How are you guys doing this evening? Fabulously. Uh, I can't complain. Life goes on. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm doing great. Yeah, I have, a, I have a friend at church. Whenever I ask him that, say that to him, he'll go, I can't complain. And then he'll say, well, I could complain, but nobody would care. <laughs> I mean, that's I mean, that's true. Like, I mean, that's true. Like, you know, I could really complain, but like, you know, who's really going to care? Yeah. So it was I was enjoying our, our conversation before we got started. And it, it made me think that. Podcasters are really just like any other type of work, even though many of us are doing this out of love rather than rather than money. You know, people that work in a steel mill after work, they talk about the people they work with. And podcasters, when we're not recording half the time, we're talking about podcasting. Yeah, seems about like it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, blogging, podcasting, the, the hated social media stuff. But, you know. Uh, yeah, so Maxwell, tell us a little bit more about yourself, even though, like John May just mentioned, like, you know, some about you. Right. Well, I am a almost totally blind uh, son of carnival owners. I grew up in a family that operated a traveling carnival here in Texas. I was part of the family business until my dad passed away in 2003. Eventually, we went out of business and I needed to do something else. So I started helping people sell their used rides on the Internet. In 2007, there really there, there wasn't any Facebook or LinkedIn or Wi-Fi or WordPress, so the first thing I had to do was teach myself how to code HTML, and then learn all the other things that go into having a business, like recruiting clients and setting fees, and you know, eventually I started a blog and started doing interviews, and people were impressed by the work I did promoting the used rides and games, and they said, you know, Max. We'd like to hear more about your life as a blind entrepreneur. So I started a second website as the blindblogger.net, which is a name people had been using as a sort of shorthand for me on LinkedIn and Facebook for a while before then. And since doing that, I share my experiences in my blog, books, and podcasts. I uh, report the life lessons that I've learned uh, throughout my life as a re result of the many uh, challenges that I've been through. And uh, I've published four books, two of them award winners. I've been on hundreds of podcasts. Eventually, I was talked into starting my own podcast called What's Your Excuse? And uh, now I'm involved in two things pretty heavily, which is accessibility. I'm trying to help more people make their, their websites, blogs, and content more accessible so uh, they can uh, reach the huge market of uh, people with disabilities but also because by being more inclusive, people's content becomes better for everybody. And then the other thing is I'm trying to help other podcasts, other people with disabilities, either start their own podcast or grow the audience of an existing podcast, which is one of the reasons why I was curious with y'all about the whole anchor situation, because quite often the people I'm trying to work with don't have budgets, as I'm sure many of, I'm sure you probably know this. A lot of people don't that uh, people with physical disabilities, it's about 75% unemployment. 
and people with uh, developmental or neurological disabilities, it's about 85% unemployment. So a lot of the people I'm trying to help get started so maybe they can, you know, have a, a business of their own through podcasting or blogging someday don't have a lot of money to invest. So I was really happy to hear what y'all had to say about Anchor, and maybe this will be a way some of the people that I want to help will be able to get started where they are. And who knows, maybe as a result of our conversation today, me and you two guys will be responsible for the next, you know, JLD or something. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, for the most part, like, you know, Anchor's a really great platform to, uh, to like, you know, host your podcast on. It's a simple, it's really simple. I mean, you don't really have to pay for it. It's nothing. It's completely free. And uh, I think it's been a great platform so far. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, you just, you just simply need to have a, you know, either a, if you're going to do a solo podcast, you just need to have a laptop or pretty much like, no, in general, you just need to have either a laptop or a phone to like, you know, make your podcast on anchor because you know anchor is also a website a website you can record it on too and uh yeah it's just as simple as that and uh yeah yeah it's just pretty easy nowadays yeah all right well uh so y'all know a little bit more about me um how did you guys get together and start y'all show well i think you be that's okay yeah you need to go way back into the year 2021 (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I love the way he said that I, I want to know why aren't you making a living as a voiceover artist you know I was actually thinking about doing some voiceovers once I finished university I'm currently in my first year of my three year degree once I do finish university I do actually want to go into voice work because I've been told by a lot of people you could do you could do some voiceovers I was like okay yeah you're right I could do some voiceovers and it's like and yeah, that's uh, the rest is history. Yeah, I think it's just I think it's just the accent. Like you know, you have a great accent. <laughs> yes, yeah, like what you talk to. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I don't know. I, mean, I think he has a. I think he has a, a un an untapped flair for the dramatic. And you know, uh, not that I want to make his parents or his uh, or his or his banker cringe, but you know, I could see I could see him being one of those people that. You know, during college, decides to do voiceovers and then has to go back for their degree twenty years later because they just, you know, they were making too much money. Well, yes, I suppose so. That's true. So, um, tell, so like, you know, tell us about like, you know, how you you because I I, I overheard you earlier saying like, you know, you were almost blind. So, like, you know, tell us a little bit more about that and how that came to be. Right. Well, I have uh, retinitis pigmentosa or RP. I was, it's a, a hereditary disease, so I had it at birth. I was born with perfect vision and had perfect vision or 20-20 until I was five or six years old. And then it started to decrease, decrease first gradually. And then when I entered junior high school, I had a big drop off in vision, which is pretty common for men with RP. And it stayed constant until I graduated from college. But by the time I, or, it stayed constant until I went off to college, but by the time I graduated, it was down to what it is now, which is very limited light perception, which is difficult for most people to understand. Even the doctors have trouble explaining it. So I usually just keep it simple and tell people that I'm totally blind. Although there are people in the vision loss community who get mad at me for saying it that way, but I like the simple and the honest wherever possible. And I just feel like that makes it clearer for more, for most people. Um, I grew up, uh, you know, I was lucky to grow up in an area where the schools had money to invest in 
actual special education teachers, orientation and mobility instructors, braille teachers, as opposed to most schools where the goal is just to avoid you causing problems until they no longer can get paid for you to be there. So I was very lucky in that respect. I also grew up in a family of, of people who did things. Or, uh, in the carnival world, there isn't a lot of time for feeling sorry for yourself. Uh, the most important thing you have to know about being a carnival owner is, is that all that matters is can you make opening this week? And if you aren't open on Thursday or Friday, if people cannot buy a funnel cake or a cotton candy, if they can't at least try to win a teddy bear, then you had, then you failed. So you learn from an early age to basically figure out some way to get to next week. And I feel like uh, that, that plus the fact that my vision loss was, was uh, degenerative over time. I feel like I had a lot of training in my early years as far as finding unusual solutions and doing things I really didn't want to do if it meant uh, solving the problem at the time and really just staying positive and doing the next thing. Because like I said, uh, in my family, if you were feeling sorry for yourself, they'd put you to work. Yeah, yeah I suppose so. And, and when my grandmother found things for us to do, they were never fun. They were, they were things like wrapping the loose chains so they could take it to the bank or scrubbing the mud and dirt off of off of the canvas valley claws things like that if you so you know i know we 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 commented about people complaining earlier like i say in, in my family if you complained you got more work yeah absolutely so well so what what have you been doing this week so far well let's see I wrote a blog post for my website on how I managed to, to book our calendar of events back in the day using pretty much just a Perkins Braille writer and determination. I'm working on a blog post for a company called Audio Eye, which is an accessibility company that I subcontract to on uh, women that have had an impact on people with disabilities and accessibility. I record my podcast. I uh, get my podcast out into the world where people can hear it. I do interviews like this one. Uh, let's see, what else have I done this week? Even though it's well, it's, it's Wednesday, which half the time yesterday seems like a long way away. Uh, not a big thing, but as a lot of the, the e-commerce websites are not really friendly to screen reader users like me, I, I placed my Walmart grocery order this week. That was fun. <laughs> you see, when there when there are things that you have, when it, when it's something that you have trouble doing, you can't you in the past have not been able to figure out how to do it. Even if it's something you don't enjoy doing it, the the feeling of accomplishment that you managed to do it and you managed to 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 give them your money and have stuff come to your house, you know that. Well, it may not seem like a big deal, stuff like that, um, you know, is important and. Myself and lots of other people talk about finding those small wins and celebrating them. So those are some of the things I've done this week. I maintain my social media accounts, which, as you guys know, is a lot of work. I'm trying to think what else have I done. Uh, I've had a few conversations with some good friends. I've, I've had some some meetings for uh, for the writing that I have to be doing. And I also got a nice email from a woman who 
interviewed somebody for her podcast that I introduced to them and you know they sent me the podcast episode so I could listen to it and it was really cool at the end of the episode they gave a shout out for my podcast network the WYE network where I'm trying to help other people start podcasts so those are some things that I did or that happened this week okay fabulous way let's go yeah yeah that's great yeah that's great to hear and, uh, so, uh, hold on, I got some, hold on, I actually got some questions. Why, why is he okay. laughing? He has sort of, he had sort of an evil laugh there just a minute ago, man. Who, uh, ja, who, Jame? Yeah, it's kind of like an evil chuckle, not really, a, not really, <laughs> yeah, there you go, there you go, like, oh, uh, uh, yes. Okay, it's, so, uh, like, cartoon voices from my youth, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, All right, so, like, you know, have you ever had a job that you hated, if so, and why? Oh, yeah, I had one I hated with a passion, um. When I graduated from college in 1990, uh, my original goal was to go to law school, but my admissions exams weren't good enough, so none of the schools in Texas would take me. And so I got admitted to a program in Little Little Rock, Arkansas, to be trained to go to work for the Internal Revenue Service, which, you know, for you guys, that would be the agency that collects the value-added tax in your country. They're not nice people. And most of the people that worked there weren't nice people. So in the U.S., when people owe taxes, they send them out this letter. And this letter has all the vile, nasty things the government can do to them if they don't behave. Well, guess who was the guy answering the phone when those people would get that letter? Yeah, that was me. So... (laughs) So after about two and a half years of that, I said I, I, it got to the point where um, at that time I was walking to work and halfway from my apartment to the office building, there was a there was a chicken restaurant that was open for breakfast. And this was before, obviously before cell phones. When it got to the point that every day I passed that restaurant, I had to talk myself out of going into the payphone and calling in and tell them I ain't coming. That's when I knew it was time to quit. And I decided that my my personal well-being was more valuable than the check they were writing me even if it you know even if it was did me quitting in the middle of winter so i i said you know it ain't like i'm getting rich here and if i'm gonna be living from check to check from week to week i think i could do that at home where i enjoy myself a little more so i went back to the family and, and started participating in our carnival again and you know there was there are, there are only three things that I regretted about leaving that job. One, I left in the winter. In the carnival business at that time, and you know, for a lot of smaller businesses, it's still seasonal. So leaving in the winter meant I went home to people who didn't have a lot of money coming in. So I wish I had waited till the spring to quit. The other thing is, I didn't know this, but when you work a job where they, you know. They give you time off for vacation and, and help in a bit. Uh, if you don't take those before you quit, you lose them. So I wish I had known to take my vacation and sick days before I quit. And then finally, when I quit, I had good credit. Since I was since I left and went and became part of the carnival, my credit was so uh, got worse and worse because you know our our income was not what you'd call reliable or predictable. So sometimes you know you just couldn't pay people. And my dad used to laugh when, when somebody would ask him if, uh, if he wanted to file for a loan, he would say, you know, 
my credit's so bad they won't let me borrow library books. So uh, the third thing I, you know, like I say, I had good credit at the time. I wish I had taken my credit and went and bought some sort of a, of a nice, relatively new ride or game before I quit working for the IRS. But I got to the point where I hated the job, where once a week I'd go find somewhere where people couldn't see me and cry. And I was, I was like, these people need to be more honest with the students going through this program and let them know that you're probably going to do this one job for years before they promote you or train you for something else. And it's not fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. That's very true. And, uh, um, hmm, let me, let me check it out. And I think it's interesting. We now, you know, when I quit that job in, in, in 1993, People didn't quit jobs just because they hated them. So it's really kind of interesting to be living in a time now where people, you know, if they don't feel like their well-being is being addressed, they just won't go. If, or if they can't quit, they'll just show up and do the bare minimum. So it's really interesting to see how things have changed to where it is now socially acceptable to just say, I'm sorry, I ain't working here no more. Absolutely. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. It's very socially acceptable to like you know just uh, say I'm not working here anymore. And uh, on top of that, on top of that, like you know most people, most people can't even work an eight-hour shift because of like you know stuff. But at the end of the day, that job doesn't owe you anything. It's that an eight-hour. That it's is so hour. true. That is so true. Very few jobs that are advertised as eight hours are really eight hours anymore because they expect to be able to email you, call you, text you. Have you respond to social media posts? They they just want more and more and more of your time, and you know I would have thought with COVID this and with the number of people that have quit over the last few years that more companies would have realized that the the boundaries are are being set even if they're being set by people walking away and and try to do something about them. But you are so right, man. Very few, even jobs that are only safe four or five hours a day. That doesn't mean they aren't going to try to get you to, to work longer or take on additional work. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. So my next question to you is if you can travel anywhere in the world, where would you want to go to and why? Well, travel really, I would, uh, I'm, I'm open to going just about anywhere. I've been to quite a few places on the East coast. Uh, I haven't been to very many places on the West Coast. I would love to uh, to do Hawaii and, Aust- and Alaska. Uh, one of the things that I kind of kick around with my brother from time to time is if I were going to relocate, you know, take advantage of the fact that I can work anywhere, where would I want to live? Which is which I think is a question I have a better answer to. And this answer may may not be the way you would answer the question, but this is the way I answer it. Okay, so. If I were going to move somewhere and live there, my number one choice would be Australia because they have four seasons. They have a very high level of support for people with disabilities, and they've got relatively good television. They've also got pretty good mass mass transit. My second choice would be the UK. They have worse weather, but they've got better television. You know, uh, as far as described television for visually impaired viewers so that we can follow along what's, what's, what's going on on the on the screen. Uh, the UK has better transit, worse weather, even though a lot of their transit, uh, from what I've been told by the visually impaired people, it's not unusual for you to have to to uh, 
step wide jump or even leap because the the gates don't match up with the with the with the cars when they come to certain stations. But you know, those are those are my top two places I would love to live if I were just if I were going to relocate. And I I've actually thought about it. my third choice would be Canada. Uh, I like their health care. The, the, they have access to the U.S. TV shows, and in Canada, they, you, they can't charge you for your cable. The weather's, the weather's horrible most of the year by my standards because I'm from Texas. Uh, but the transit is pretty good in the cities, although you, navigating from one part of the country to another is not so easy. So those are – I generally tend to make my decisions based on uh, – if. If everything else is equal, then I'm going to go with where is the most accessible option? Where am I going to get the most assistance either from other people I know that live there or from government agencies or from nonprofits? So, you know, so quite a few of my software choices are, are not necessarily the biggest names, but they're companies that have made their products accessible for me. So I don't have to so I don't have to spend a bunch of extra time using them. Using them, I don't have to scratch my head trying to figure out, okay, how do I do this again? Because they made things too complicated. Uh, I'm a big fan of Mad Mimi for my autoresponder, simply because of the very high level of customer service to the point that they will even create my mass emails for me if I just send them an email and say, this is what I want the email to say, this is who I want you to send it to. So. Those are a little bit of insight into how I, I make my choices. But if I to travel pretty much anywhere, relocate would be Australia, UK, and Canada. Oh, well, I can't argue with those options. They seem really good. Yeah. Thank Do you have any questions for Ryan Conway? Yes. In a world filled with bananas, how would you react if these bananas came crashing down like it was raining? That would depend on whether the bananas were ripe or still green, because if they were still green, they would crush your ass. But if they were ripe, they would smush on contact. So, you know, you might be able to survive a avalanche of ripe or overripe bananas. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I'm sure that I don't think that was where he expected me to go with that question. <laughs> no, no, I'm just uh, going with the flow, you know, like I always do. Yeah. Question, with questions like that, I have to thank my good friend, Brian the Hammer Jackson, who uh, I had my very first interview with online in 2013. And I was a regular guest on his show for about six months. And he was he was kind of like you. You never knew what he was going to ask you from one Friday to the next. So I, I feel like he trained me very well for the unusual question. Uh, you know, that makes a lot of sense. That plus I've done hundreds of interviews, so. A lot of these questions I've answered so many times, I don't, you know. But, you know, it's funny. I, I hear these, you know, celebrities like the, you know, rock stars and, and the movie actors, and they say they get tired of some of these questions because it's always the same question every time. But, you know, even though I've done hundreds of interviews, and I'm not saying that to brag, I'm just saying it to let you know that I've been doing this a long time, I don't ever feel like the question is is boring or aggravating or tedious i mean 10 years later there are still people ask me how does a blind guy even have a blog or a podcast and it's just to me it's like hey it's an opportunity to answer the question for somebody who's never heard my answer before exactly yeah i mean when you put it that way i guess it does sound i guess it does sound great i mean 
that that's the thing. Nobody, no, I mean, no matter how famous you are, you're not going to reach every person in the world or even every person in the room. So, you know, when you get asked that question for the, just remind yourself, this person hasn't heard my answer yet. Absolutely. Hmm. Yeah, that's so, true. I'm just, I'm just curious now. What are, what are you guys studying for, and what are y'all's career goals as you see them today? You want to go first, John? Me? Yeah, I suppose so. So right now, um, I'm currently at Manchester Metropolitan University studying drama and contemporary performance. And uh, my goals for once I graduate was, well, first off, do some voice work. Secondly, <laughs> do some acting for television. And thirdly, with one of the money the government gives me, I, might, I hope to invest that so I can create some passive income once I do graduate so I can pay off my student loans so I don't have to think about it. I don't... <laughs> so yeah, that's about it. I like, I like that plan. I like that. That's, that's, very, that's very creative. Okay. That's good. I like it. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, so wait, what was the question again? What what is what are you currently studying, and and where where are you planning on going with it at this moment? Knowing that, you know, the one thing we've all learned in the last five years is everything can change tomorrow. Hmm. Well, I'm currently not studying anything because I'm not I'm not in school yet, at okay. least, or, or at all. Still trying to still deciding. Uh, also. Well, for now, I'm just really trying to work and, like, you know, make some and, like, you know, uh, earn some money so I can start investing and uh, earn some passive income. And, uh, you know, maybe do some other, maybe do some other stuff on the side so I can earn some passive income. And, uh, well, but what I really want to do is, um, well, do pot, we'll do podcasting and the, like, my, I, I, I can't really, do, I can't really tell you, like, you know, what I really want to do because it's like it just, sometimes it changes, sometimes it changes, but I'm just going to say this. I, no, I'm not going to say, it. yeah, no, no, because my goals do change at times, but it's like, ultimately, yeah, I, I know what I want to do. I just really don't want to tell people Okay. for uh, the most part. Yeah. So just keep working on documenting your lived experience. Use your podcast so people know what you're, what kind of work you're doing and, and, you know, really be, really be open to seeing what kind of skills the, the current work is, is developing in you. Um, I didn't used to think people would even care about, you know, the, the work I did back uh, in my life in the carnival business. But I've had several people who have listened to the many things I had to do, like booking events and ordering stock and uh, hiring staff and, you know, uh, uh, you know, just a lot of things that went into what I had to do back in those days. And they're like, you know, you may not have the classic resume skills, but you have what we would call a a PhD in lived experiences. So I, I totally, totally cool. I think, you know, whatever you can do to get you closer to your goal is the thing you need to be doing. And I think that's another thing we've all learned is there is no one absolute guaranteed path to get to there. Otherwise we wouldn't be talking about student loans yet. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, if I, I mean, if I do go to school, I'm gonna some, I'm gonna somehow try to find a way to like not take out a loan, so I can, you know, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna find, a, I'm gonna find a like, you know, loophole around that, like, I don't know, probably apply for financial aid or get a, uh, or try and get like a scholarship or something like that. Well, 
And, and in the short term, one thing you can look into is a lot of companies are are offering educational uh, support even to part-time employees. So it could be that one of the places you're working would at least partially finance some of your studies while you're working for them. Hmm. Like, for example, my brother works nights stocking shelves at Walmart. And Walmart will uh, fund any of their employees, including their part-time employees, after they've been there a uh, certain length of time. And as long as they're studying business, finance, marketing, or something where when that person eventually gets their degree, they feel like they might be of some use to Walmart down the road. So uh, it may be that you're working for somebody who either has a plan where they invest in education or, you know, something I'm known for is just because it ain't there doesn't mean it can't be there. So I like to say, if you don't ask, they can't say yes. So it may be that somebody you're working for right now might be willing to invest in your college education. Might be a conversation you want to have with them, you know, maybe try to keep it casual, like a, a meal or coffee or something. And, and, uh, and, and see if you can start a conversation about the, about your current employers investing in your education. I'll be honest. I never really thought about working while in school. I would pers- personally, I would just like to focus on one thing because personally, yeah. I would just focus on one thing. It's either work or school. So if I'm in school, I mean, if I have to work while I'm in school, I'll do it. But it's like, you know, you know, ultimately, I don't really want that. I don't I wouldn't want that to like be the case. Yeah. For the most part, because like I would just want to focus on one thing. All righty. Any but, more questions? No. You jump me? Um, no, but uh, that's all we have for this episode. It was great having you here, Maxwell. Talking about your life as a blind blogger and uh, well, well, a lot of other things. Uh, so much to keep, keep up with. It's been incredible. Well, thank you, fellas. I really do appreciate it. Um, as I, I like to make sure I, I, I tell this whenever I get to, to have a conversation like this. Uh, without podcasting and having these conversations, I would never have had the opportunity to share my experiences with so many people. So without guys like you, there wouldn't be a blind blogger. There wouldn't be a what's your excuse. So I just want to thank you for your part in my continuing journey and my continuing story. Anytime. Anytime. Thanks, guys. And until next time, stay tuned for more.